How many of you all are glad to be here today? Well, that's about 10 or 15 of you. I'm glad to be here today. Today is a good day. Today is a great day. You know, every day that you and I can wake up is a good day. It's a great day because there are, other, there are folks that, have, that are not going to wake up today, right? There are folks that are not going to be in the house of the Lord today. There are folks, there's someplace else other than in the house of the Lord serving God. But this is a great day for you and I. And I hope that we never take that for granted. Oftentimes we come in here and we look at this facility and we're so blessed and we're so honored uh, to have these facilities. But sometimes, folks, this can be taken for granted, right? People say, ah, oh, it's always going to be there. Ah, oh, church is always going to be there. Ah, oh. right? But we should never take these opportunities for granted. Because times are, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but times have been changing, right? It's getting worse. It's getting worse. The sooner, as we draw near uh, to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to get worse for this old world, Right? It's going to get worse. And so every opportunity that we have to be, in, to be in the house of the Lord, to be with one another, it's a special thing. It's a good thing, right? And I'm glad that you all uh, thought enough of God to be here today. Now, that's not a put down for anybody that's not here, right? That's not a put down for anybody that may be watching online, right? Because we want you, those of you who are watching online, if you're able to be here uh, uh, in South Florida, in Pembroke Pines, we want you to be here. But if you live other places around the nation and around the world, our prayer for you is that you, that God lead you to a church, to a local place where you can go and you can gather with other believers. Because I, the last time I checked, the scripture that says to, fake, to forsake not the assembling together of the saints, I don't believe that that has been removed. Right? It's still in the word. It's still there. And so if it's still in the word, we, make, we need to make sure that we're being obedient to that and that we're honoring that and that we're, you know, we're doing that. We're fulfilling that. Amen? Amen. All righty. I don't know if you all, who was here last night? Woo, that brother Lasky, Sister Emma and brother Lasky. Woo, they were on in fuego. They were on fire last night. I got saved last night. Praise God. I tell you what, that was so good. They were so good. If you were not here last night, you missed a treat. Sister Emma and Brother Lasky, you all were absolutely phenomenal. God bless you. Thank you so much. But wait, there's more. It ain't stopping. We got a guest speaker coming on Wednesday night. So you want to make sure that you are here Wednesday night. Because I'm telling you, the house is going to come down Wednesday night. Now, now some of y'all clap. I saw some of y'all clap and I, just, I ain't seen nobody else clap. It's going to be a great night. You want to make sure that you're here Wednesday night as, as well because we're going to have some fun. Amen? All righty. Boss, was I supposed to do anything else? All right, so we can go now? 
Oh, no. Oh, okay. The boss said you, you got to keep going. Okay. So why don't you, and we've been, uh, this scripture, you know where I'm going. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. This is the uh, ALM. This is our th- theme scripture for this year. Our pastor has provided this, and we want to make sure um, that we are consistent, that we're persistent, that we're deliberate in communicating uh, this to you. You know, the world does this too through advertisement. They keep hit bombarding you with advertisements over and over and over and over and over until they finally break you down, right? They break you down. And like before, you didn't like Fruit Loops, right? You hear the Fruit Loop commercial so much, you start liking Fruit Loops, right? Not even a serial person, but because you just keep hit, they keep hitting you with the, with the commercials, right? We always want to make sure that we keep hitting you, keep presenting this word to you, right? Because we want it to be a part of who you are. And if you're a born-again Christian, it is a part of who you are. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us, in Christ Jesus before the world began. I'm going to read that again. It says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Two things I want you to think about, not only today, but when you walk out of here is the who and the why, right? Sometimes we get confused as to the who we're doing it for and the why we're doing it. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, it says who, we know who who is. It's Almighty God. It is Almighty God. It is His purpose. It's His plan. It's His expectations. It's His grace. So it is, that's the who. Why are we doing it? For God Almighty, for his purpose and grace. If we never lose sight as to, uh, for the who and the why, we'll always, we'll always be good. And I say that to you all because it's very easy in today's world to get caught up in all of the distractions that are going on and we forget who we're serving, we forget who we're living for, and we forget why we're doing those things. And so we have to make sure that we never forget our who and our why. It is everything that we do is for God Almighty. It's for his purpose, his plan, and his expectation, right? And part of God's purpose, plan, and expectation is for people to be born again, for people to come into the kingdom of God. It's for people not to, not to die and go to hell. You know, the scripture says that God has given to every one of us the ministry of reconciliation, right? God has given to all of us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? God is using you and I to bring people, to reconcile people 
that are on their way to hell, that are lost without God, he wants us to reconcile. He wants us to bring them into the fold. He wants to use you and I to bring them into the fold. Right? You and I were saved for a purpose, for a plan, and for an expectation of Almighty God. And he expects you and I to fulfill what he has intended, what he's a purpose for us to do on this earth. In case you haven't noticed, it is all about souls. It is all about bringing people into the kingdom of God. That's what it's about, folks. The name of the game is people. We are in the people business. We're not in any other business but people, right? It's to see people born again, to see people's lives, to see people fill with the Holy Spirit, to see people's life free from the influences of sin, right? That's what it's all about. It's that simple. Don't make it complicated, right? Isaiah chapter 43. So it's God's purpose, it's his plan. We've been called according to uh, his purpose and grace. And we've heard in this church said this year and last year, Isaiah 43, verse 18, it says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. God has promised this church that he is going to do a new thing in this church. He's going to do a new thing in your life. He's going to do a new thing in my life. He desires to do something new, something that has never ever taken place before in our life. How many of you all like new stuff? You like new stuff? Do you always like new stuff? Whatever it is. Whatever it is, as long as it's new, you like it, right? I'm just, I'm just asking, right? If somebody was to offer you something new, would you accept it? There's no trick, there's no trickery behind, there's no trickery in what I'm asking you. If you like, how many of you are, if someone came into church today and said, I want to buy, I, I have a new car for you today. How many of you all would take that new car? Let me, I'll raise my hand. Because nobody's hand, like three people's hands went up, right? If somebody came in here today and offered me a new car, no strings attached, paid for, paid for, Right? They came and they said, hey, the Lord, has wanted, want, the Lord wanted me to bless you today. You take it, right? If someone wants to come in here today and say, I want to give you a new home. A never, ever, how many of y'all would want a new home? Amen. Right? I don't know about y'all, but if somebody's offering new, if somebody wants to offer me a new home, man, I'm going to take it. No strings attached. Right? It's paid off. They ain't got no termites. Nobody's ever lived in it. It's brand spanking new. I'm going to take it. Right? Your heavenly father's in the house today. 
And he says he's got something new for you today. I never ever was. He's got, now I don't know what it is. All right? I don't know what it is. But if it's coming from God, he says it's new. And we know that God is not going to give you no junk. Right? We know that every good and every perfect gift comes from God. With whom there is no variableness or shadow of, of man, we got some scholars in here today, praise the Lord. So if we know that God wants to give us something new, our expectation, our anticipation should be, Lord, I'm, I'm that vessel. Lord, I want it. Lord, I receive it. Lord, I embrace it. Lord, I, Lord, you got it for me today. You got it for me today, and I want it. I'm going to show you this. I was praying, and I'm going to park right here for a moment. I'm parking. Stay right there. But I, I, we did, I didn't know. Uh, well, I knew uh, about a week, week and a half ago, somewhere around there, um, the pastor had said, hey, would you, I'm going to be out of town, and uh, I want to know if you'd be willing to step in. And he had asked me and some others, and I said, absolutely. And I had bought a new suit. Sikabosha. I had bought a new suit, and I hadn't worn it. It was just in the closet. And it was just, I just had it there. And for me, I don't know about you, but this is just for me. Anytime I uh, buy new clothing, the, the first place that I always want to wear it is in church, right? Because I want to give honor to the person that made it possible for me to have something new, right? Amen? Now, I know all of y'all ain't like that. You know, y'all get your little new stuff and y'all go to work and y'all check me out, right? <laughs> right? Now, while I do that, I'm like, God, I want you to check me out. Check me out, Jesus, right? So this is a new suit. Praise God. It's new. Got my name in it. L. Jeffrey Green. All right? Right? This is new. Right? I'm going someplace with this. Just stay with me. Right? Because y'all, I know some of y'all are thinking, well, why is he making this all about you? It ain't, it ain't about me at all. Trust me. It's about the new. It's about the new that God wants you and I to be... The new should be the norm for every born-again Christian. The new should be the norm. We get so entangled, so caught up, like our sister Susie said several weeks ago, with the abnormal. We get so caught up with the stuff that ain't new, with the stuff that's broken down with the stuff that's been used up. That is the normal for us. And then when God wants to present us with something new, we almost act as, act as if that's abnormal. And folks, that has got to change. God's new has got to become our normal. It has got to become our normal. God wants us to walk in the newness of life every single day. In Isaiah, he said, in Isaiah, he said, consider not. Don't remember the old things. Consider not. Let me go back to that. 
Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I want to do something new. I never ever was. So I wanted to wear a new suit. I never ever was. This is a new shirt. The tie ain't new. Right? The tie's not new because I got a whole bunch of bow ties. But I hadn't worn it in a while. Right? Uh, did you get me anything else new? Oh, no. No, the socks ain't new either. So God's still working on me. Right? So I want you to, so there's hope. You know, there's hope for you. Right? And, and me. Right? I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. I'm like, Lord, I want everything new. But this Bible's new. This Bible's new. And I want to tell you how I got this Bible. I was praying Saturday morning, and I'm still parked, by the way. It's not anything to do with part of the message, just I'm going. I was praying Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, just seeking God. And when I, as I was getting ready to finish, the Lord said, I want you to buy a new Bible. Because you're going to be speaking on, Saturday, on Sunday. Get a new Bible. And I said, all right, no problem. No problem at all. And so when we were on our way to church yesterday, prayer last night, uh, I told my wife, I said, hey, hon, I said, uh, after prayer, uh, uh, Joseph and I, we're going to drop, drop you off at home, and uh, we're going to go over to Barnes & Noble. Uh, this is before we came in. Am I lying? Am I telling the truth? No, nah, you're my witness. Come on now, talk to me now. <laughs> right? So uh, I said, we're going to drop you off, and we're going to, uh, we're going to go, I'm going to go get a new Bible. And my wife said, you're getting, a, you're getting another Bible? I said, yes. She said, well, how, how many Bibles do you have in the house already? I said, it doesn't matter. I said, the Lord wants me to get a new one. Right? That's what I said to you, right? And I'm going to tell you, that's what I was doing. And a sister in this church, and I'm not going to embarrass her, I'm not going to call her out. A sister in this church, as we were praying over there, this sister came up to me, and she said, God wants me to give this to you. God wants me to bless you with this. Right? And it was, look, it was a little something, something. You know, it was that green, you know what I mean? Right, you know, that stuff that all us like to get, that little green stuff, right? I didn't even, I, I, I received, I said, Lord, I said, thank you, sister, I appreciate that. And when I walked out of here, and dropped Ruthie off, and Joseph and I went to Barnes & Noble. The Lord said, you got, I wanted you to get a new Bible, and I'm providing the resources for you, right? The new. God's new, God's new has to become our normal. It has to become our normal. We have to expect, we have to anticipate that God is going to, when God said he's going to do something new, when God said, remember ye not the former things, when God, when God said, consider not the things of old, behold, I want to do a new thing, we've got to take him at his word, and we've got to believe that, and we've got to trust that he is going to do it, right?
He's going to do it. All right, so, I'm, so now we're, I'm, uh, we're moving out of the parking lot. We were parked there for a hot minute. Now we're moving on. So the children of Israel, as I begin to talk uh, Wednesday night about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, Egypt represented bondage. Egypt represented failures. Egypt represented shortcomings. Egypt represented oppression and misery and despair and hopelessness. And the children of Israel had been in that situation for more than 400 years. And they were groaning and they were, they were God's covenant people. And they were probably thinking, how in the world can this be? We're God's covenant people and we're in bondage. We're enslaved. We're oppressed. Our failures are always before us. And God, the Bible says that God heard their groanings. And he sent forth a man by the name of Moses to deliver them. And very quickly, I want you to go to Exodus Exodus chapter 3. I was talking to Brother Lasky this morning. I said, Brother, I said, you know, I'm about to hijack some of your stuff from last night. <laughs> he said, go on, Brother. He said, you know how Lasky is all, he's all, he's such a professor. He's so humble. He said, oh, go on, Brother. Go, just go on. You know, he ain't like Jeff Green. You know, I'm all, I'm all loud and all, you know. But Brother, brother Lasky, he's like, oh, go on, hey, Brother Jeff. I said, you know, I'm a hijack that stuff, brother. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3, it says, now, Fo- now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses, after he saw that, he said, I, or as, when he saw that, he said, Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt, right? And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place wherein thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Brother Lasky, what he said last night, he said, I will. Moses was that I will. And Moses had to turn and acknowledge and respect The I am. Moses sees this bush burning. And he turns to it. And he says, I will go see what that is. Right? Moses did not know that he was going to, he was getting ready to be, to have an encounter with the I am. Moses had fled Egypt. He was on the run because he was a fugitive. He had killed a man in Egypt. And the the folks were at, the government was after him. 
right? And he fled. And Moses found himself on the backside of a desert. He was taking care of somebody else's possessions, right? He had no intentions of going back to Egypt. He had no intentions of doing that. And I want you to think about your own life today. You may be in a situation where you're on the backside of some place. You're at a place where you don't want to be. You're in a situation where you're taking care of somebody else's and not your own. You're in a place where there have been some folk that talked about you. There's been some folk that have stabbed you in the back. There's been some folk that have hurt you. And you don't, and you don't want to have anything to do with them. You might be in a Moses situation. But the angel of the Lord had that bush that was burning that was not consumed. And Moses turned to see what it was. And Moses was confronted by the I am. Moses was confronted by the one who said, Moses, I am is sending you back to deliver my people, to bring my people out of bondage. The I am called Moses to go back and to bring, to lead those people, those children of Israel that were in bondage, that were in a hellish situation, to lead them out. And we know the story. Moses came up short, didn't he? Right? Moses came up short. Right? Because Moses forgot the who and the why. Right? Moses forgot that I am called him to do this. And Moses got into a situation when he was with the folks. Right? The day-to-day, the day-to-day, the doing this and the doing that. They were moving and they're, the folks are murmuring, they're complaining, right? They're doing all these things, and Moses got caught up in that. For one brief moment, he took his eye off of the who and the why. And as a result of that, God said, you missed it. You can't go into the promised land because you did not honor me before the people. Am I lying? Check it out. It's in the book. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but check it. It's all there, right? So Moses had messed up. But do you think that God knew that Moses was going to mess up? He knew. He knew, was, he, knew that God, he knew that Moses was going to mess up. But he had a Joshua that was there in the, in the, in the wings waiting being prepared, being brought up to do what God wanted Moses to do, Joshua, Joshua was in the, situ- in the place where God was going to bring him, was going to use him to lead the folks. Now, I want you to go over to Joshua chapter 1 and just stay with me. I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere. Joshua chapter 1. One thing about a new Bible, the pages stick together. 
my apologies, Joshua chapter 1. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So Moses can't go in. God shows, allows him to see the promised land, but he can't go in. Moses is out of the way. God says to Joshua, arise. He said, get up. Get up and go and lead these people, right, across, across the Jordan into the land that I, had, that I had promised them. Moses, when he was leading the people out of Egypt, they had to cross, go through the Red Sea, which was symbolic of the old. They were going through that old. They were leaving the old behind them. The Red Sea, they part, they get stuck. A whole lot of stuff for 40 years. A, a trip that should have been about two and a half weeks was now 40 years. And now, Mo, now Mos, jo, Joshua is now leading, leading the group. And God says, get up and go lead these people across the Jordan, which is symbolic of the new. Lead them into the new. And what happened, what happened when they crossed over Jordan? Which, what was the first land that they came to? Jericho, right? So they just left bondage. They just left Egypt. Moses is, has died, right? Joshua, they have just crossed over the Jordan. And the first, the first land that they come to is Jericho. And there were folks in Jericho, right? Right? I want you to think about this. There was a song that we used to sing, and I'm not going to sing it because y'all said, somebody said to me, every time you're up there, you always take an opportunity to sing a song. Well, maybe I'll sing it anyway. Well, I don't really know the words to it, so I can't. But there was a, uh, there was a, uh, a song that we, that we sang, uh, and, it, and I'm paraphrasing. It said, he did not bring us out this far to take us back again. Right? I want you to think about that. I want you to say that. I want you to repeat after me. He did not bring me out this far to take me back again. But he brought me out. But he brought me out. But he brought me out to bring me into the promised land. All of us in here, God did not bring you out of a bad situation, out of the miry clay, out of hell, to take you back again. But he brought you out to bring you in to that good, to that promised land, to that thing that he has for 
you. That he has for you. And God has promises for each and every one of us. My promise, the promise that I have from God, may not look like the same promise that he has for you. But he brought us out to bring us into the promised land. Joshua, Moses brought those people out so that God can bring them into the promised land. And as soon as they got into the promised land, the first part of that was Jericho. So they had to do something. They had to work. They had to fight. You know, oftentimes people think, God's got a promise. We sing it. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. All our, you know, y'all know the rest because I can't remember the rest. Right? It's there, right? But we don't expect to do nothing. We expect God to just bring it all to us. I'm going to bring it right to you. I'm going to set it on your lap. I'm going to set it on your lap. I'm going to set it on your lap. Here's my promise. I'm going to set it on your lap. I'm going to do that, right? Go on and give it to me, Jesus. All we do is this right here. Come on, give it to me, Jesus. Come on, give it to me. I don't have to do nothing. Just give it to me. Every promise is mine. The children of Israel, they had to promise, but they had to, they had to fight, right? They had to remove all of the, the enemies of God. They had to, all of the folks, all of the, the lands that they were about to conquer had people in it, right? That ha- and God said that, I'm not removing these people because of your righteousness, because y'all have been a stiff-necked bunch. Y'all have been hard-headed, right? He says, I ain't doing it for y'all, I'm doing it because of my covenant that I have with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God's who and why, God's who and why is reserved for him alone. It's him alone, right? But they had to, God said, I, we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna remove these folks. I'm gonna go before you and I'm going to remove them so that you can possess this land that's flowing with milk and honey. Now, I, wanted you, I, want you to, I just want you to, want you to just uh, res- let that resonate with you. Because you might be saying, well, what, is, what are you talking about, Brother Jeff? God has a promise for all of us. God, God has souls for all of us. And in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 12, it says that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we're wrestling against principalities, against rulers of darkness in high places, against wickedness, right? That is what's going on in this nation. That is what's going on in Broward County, in Dade County, in Palm Beach County, in the 67 counties that we have here in Florida. And not only in Florida, the wickedness is going on throughout this Nation, But let's just bring it back to where you and I are at right now. God has a promised land for this church. We say that we, we, we make our decrees every single time we're in church. About 500 families coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And folks, I declare unto you today, if we are going to see the manifestation of that, 
we're going to have to do some work. It's going to take some work. You might be thinking, well, what kind of work are you talking about? I didn't sign up to work. I just signed up to be a part of all of the good stuff that God has for me, right? And in God's mind, as we heard last night, in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Luke 15, 10, it says that there is rejoicing in heaven with the angels over one soul that repenteth and comes to God. So we know what excites heaven. We know what excites God. We know that when there's a party going on in heaven, it's because of people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So if we know that, and if we want to bring happiness, if we want to bring a smile to God's face, right, we have got to be about his business. And his business, as I said before, is people. It's people. Now, how many of y'all live in Broward County? Raise your hand. I want to see how many people live in Broward County. So if you would be bold to just yell out one at a time, what city do you live in? Anybody? Okay, so Pember Pines, Hollywood, Davie, Wait, hold on, Southwest Ranches, Plantation, Tamarack, Sunrise, Margate, Cooper City, praise the Lord, that's a bad city right there. Where else? Coral Springs, Weston, any other cities from Broward County? Dania, I grew up in Dania, girl. Where else? Miramar, Fort Lauderdale, anybody? Sunrise, okay. Oakland Park, Lighthouse Point, Del, you know, I'm just checking. All right, Dade County, how many people, raise your hand if you live in Dade County. Raise out, lay, uh, let me hear some, what, what cities in Dade County do you live? Kendall. North Miami, Miami Gardens, Hialeah, anybody from Opelika? Opelika, Hialeah, Opelika, Hialeah. I know about, any place else? Did we hit all of the cities in Dade and Broward County? Homestead, well that's, that's really, that's, Probably Monroe, is that, is Homestead a part of Dade County or is it, is it, okay, Homestead, okay, I'll take, we'll take Homestead, okay. Where else? Miami Lakes. Where else? We got everything covered. West Palm Beach, we got anybody from West Palm Beach? Oh, West Palm Beach, what city? Lake Worth. Lake Worth? Lake Worth. Anybody else in Palm Beach? Palm Beach County. So, okay, that's excellent, all right? Because, you know why I ask you that. <laughs> that's the city that you live in, right? You got some work to do, <laughs> right? You are at Abundant Living Ministries, and you are representing your city in this place. So if you are in this place, you have an obligation and a responsibility to go after those folks 
that live in your town. Oh, I ain't getting no amens out of that. I ain't getting no hallelujahs. I ain't getting nobody running to the front and jumping and jumping and shouting and screaming. Oh, man. He just shut me down there. Don't shut me down. Don't shut me down. God is expecting all of us to do our part. We say the north, the south, the east, and the west. And if I'm not mistaken, everybody in here represents the north, the south, the east, and the west. So guess what? We have no excuse as to why we can't do this. Why we can't fill this place. We have no excuse why we can't fall on our knees before Almighty God and cry out for our city. Because that's where, ladies and gentlemen, that's where the work is going to get done. The work is going to get done on your knees. The work is going to get done when we are on our knees before Almighty God. And I didn't say that when we're kneeling before somebody, when we're kneeling before this world in their sin and in their, under, in their unrighteousness, I'm not kneeling to that. I ain't taking a knee for that. I am not taking a knee to the devil. But what I will do is get on my knees before Almighty God and prayer. And that is what it's going to take. It is going to take you and I to do that. That's work, folks. That's work. How many of y'all like praying for people? It's not an easy thing, is it? Be honest. You know, sometimes people, the people that do you wrong or do you right, you don't want to pray for them, especially the ones that do you wrong, right? You want to be like Peter. You want to cut their ear off, right? You don't want to bless them. Right? You want God to strike them down. You're like the, the sons of thunder, James and John. Lord, can we just call down fire and just burn them up? Right? But God wants you and I to stand in the gap for these people. Because somebody stood in the gap for you. Somebody was willing to pray so that you could be here today so that you could be up there in the balcony. Somebody pray for you. Please don't, <laughs> please don't get it twisted. Don't think that you are all that. And God, you were such a wonderful person that God wanted to say, no, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God wants to use you and I to be a part of what he is doing in the earth. And Joshua knew that. Joshua knew that when he was going to take, he knew that when he was going to take the promise, the, the land that God had promised Israel, he knew that it was going to be some fighting involved. Now that was a physical, they were physical fighting and killing those folks. We're not, we're not flesh and blood, we're not fighting and killing people. Right? That's not what we're doing. But guess, 
That's what's going on in this nation. That's what's going on in this nation. You don't believe me? Have you been watching the news? Have you been watching all the rioting and all of the burnings and all of the destruction that has been going on from one end of the nation to the other? Have you seen the violence out in the streets? Have you seen the violence when people, if you say that you support this person or that person, there's a fight brewing? If you don't bow, if you don't bow to this life matter and that life matters, if you don't take a knee to that, then you're wrong and you're castigated and violence is, is inflicted on you. Have y'all, I don't know if y'all have been noticing that. I don't know if y'all have been noticing that. Have you noticed that when you and I, we are being good and we're going about doing what God says is good, mankind, this generation, the folks that are, t that's evil. They're calling evil good and good evil. Oh, the devil's having a revival. You see it. It's on the news. He's having his revival, right? He's out in the streets. He's burning up everything. He's stealing, stealing, killing, and destroying. We see it all day, every day. The news bombards you with it all day, every single day we see it. And what is God's people doing? Unfortunately, some of God's people are caught up in this mess. Unfortunately, God's people forgot the who and the why. God's people have taken their eyes off of him, have taken their eyes off of Jesus, and they have placed it on people. And just like Moses, if they are not cautious, if they're not careful, they're going to miss it. They're going to miss it. If Moses missed it, people can miss it. We can miss it, folks. I want everybody to close your eyes right now. And I want you to think about people that you know that live in your community. I want, to think of, I want you to think about your family members who are not saved. And I want you to think about if they don't get saved, where are they going? There's only two places, folks. All right, open your eyes. All of us in here have loved ones, have family members that are not born again. They are lost. We have friends, we have neighbors. They're not born again, they're not saved, they are lost. And without Jesus, they are going to hell. There is no other place for them without Jesus. And hell and heaven 
both places are eternal. So wherever they end up, it's eternal. They are never, ever getting out. And the time is coming to an end, folks. And you and I have got to be about the Father's business. We have got to be about the who and the why. We cannot allow ourselves to get caught in this trap, this hustle and bustle, this, you know, it's easy to get caught up in good things. It's easy to get caught up in success, right? God has success for us. Matter of fact, the Bible says to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. God knows and God desires for you and I to have the very best in this world. It's, it was created for you and I, but God doesn't expect us to get caught up in those things, right? He doesn't want us to get caught up in those things. What he wants us to focus on is him. And what he wants us to focus on is bringing the lost to him, saving them, giving them an opportunity to hear the gospel message. In Esther chapter 4, and we don't have to turn there for time's sake, but in Esther chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, or the story of Esther is this. The children of Israel, they again found themselves on the wrong side of the tracks. And within this kingdom, uh, there were folks that had been raised, had raised up, Haman had been raised up, and Haman had thought to kill all of the Jews. He was gonna wipe them out. But God had an Esther in the palace. And Esther's uncle, and I'm paraphrasing, and Esther's uncle came to her and sent word to her and said, and said Esther, you're in the place that God needs, has you purposed there. He's positioned you there. And Esther, you need to go and speak on behalf of your people to the king. And Esther was like, whoa, wait a minute. I can't do that. If the king doesn't call me, right? If the king doesn't extend his scepter, right? I could lose my life. And Mordecai said, okay, Esther, let me just tell you. Let me just give you some real talk. The deliverance of the Jews, it's going to come. It may come by another way, but as for you and your house, you're going to be on the wrong side. You're going to be left, right? But he, but he ends, Mordecai says, and who would, who would think that you were there for such a time as this? Folks, you and I are living in the moment that God created us to be in for this time, for this moment. And God has a deliverance. God has a Holy Ghost fire revival that he wants to pour out on mankind, that he wants to pour out on our communities, that he wants to pour out on our nation, that he wants to pour out on this world. He's got it. And he's going to, he wants to use, he desires to use every one of us in here. The question becomes, are we going to allow ourselves to be a willing vessel?
Are we going to allow ourselves to be a willing vessel? Are we going to keep asking God to pour out the new into our old selves? You and I have got to change. You and I have got to mean business for God. There are lives that are in the balance. There are lives that are at stake right now. There are people that without, without God sending them someone, they're gonna be, on, they're gonna be lost. And the last time I read this Bible, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And folks, I submit unto you as we close. In 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. I'm going to ask the musicians to come now. Second Chronicles. Brother Dan, were you, were you able to... Sh- uh, Brother Dan up there, were you able to, uh, did you get a chance to show that? Okay, no problem. Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14, it says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Folks, it's going to take some work on our part. We have got to do, we have got to do our part. And our part is we have got to be willing to pray. We have got to be willing to seek his face. And we've got to be willing to turn from our ways. We've got to turn from that. It's not my will. It's his will. We have got to be about that. Because that's the only way that people are going to be born again. If you and I, as believers, as children of the, of the Most High, that is the only way that people, we're going to have to pray these people into the kingdom of God. God Jesus said in the scriptures, he looked out and he was moved with compassion. And he said, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Jesus saw that there was a harvest that was ready. It was ready to be plucked, but he said, there's not a whole lot of workers. Oh, there's a whole lot of folks talking a whole lot of game, but ain't nobody willing to work. Nobody's willing to do what it's gonna take for people to get born again. And that means that you and I, we have got to die to self. We have got to die to self, right? I want you to think about this. We should all try to do this. We should try to do this starting off. If you've never prayed before, right? God, in the Bible, it teaches us how to pray. 
Spend 15 minutes with God a day. That's not a whole lot, is it? But you'd be surprised how people can't even, won't even set aside 15 minutes a day to give to God. But we want God to give us his all. But we won't give him 15 minutes a day to pray. We want God to give us his all. And we won't pick up the word and read a chapter in the book. But we're expecting God to give us everything. But we don't want to give him, a, we don't want to give him nothing. How dare us? when he has given us everything. He has freely given us everything. And all, he, and all he asks, folks, all he wants is for us to go to our knees and to begin to turn from our ways and to seek him and to cry out for people, cry out for this nation, cry out for our communities. Cry out for your neighbors and your, and your family members. God wants us to cry out for those folks because without, without Jesus, they're lost.